Yo, 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 what's good, world? You already know who it is. This is the boy, the living legend himself, Hurricane, comma, trademark. I got on here with me another special guest, man. Um, It's a person who means a lot to me. She's an awesome person, and she has one hell of a story to tell. So this is actually going to be a bonus episode. I'm going to do a couple more of these, but I definitely wanted to get hers first because when I say she has an interesting story to tell, it's going to be some good things you're going to hear. It's going to be some bad things you're going to hear. But ultimately, you're going to hear somebody overcome a lot of things. So with that being said, man, this is going to be titled Life, the Perspective of. And today's guest is going to be actually Ken's. You might have heard her from last night, Croc, whatever. I told you she's going to change a bunch of names, but today is just simply Ken's. So with that being said, Ken's, um, like I just said, man, your story is very interesting. It's truly a heartbreaking triumph type situation. Like, you've been through a lot. You've overcame a lot. And I know this is something you definitely wanted to do. So, without further ado, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to actually let you do your thing. So, I want you to just do what you do. Tell your story. I even start. You can start at the very beginning. Okay. The first memory I really have... Um, Growing up, my mom was my very best friend. She was my heart. She was my mom and my dad. Um, You know, she was my best friend. I lived with her up until I was three, along with my grandmama, Letty. Uh, Her real name's Debbie, but I always called her Letty because I couldn't pronounce Debbie at the time, so it just kind of stuck. But uh, us three were living together. And growing up, my mom was real bad on drugs, which I chose to ignore that fact because I loved my mom so much and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to acknowledge it, if that makes sense. But starting off, I was three years old. Um, I didn't know who my father was. I didn't know I had a brother or a sister. I didn't know I had a stepmom. All I knew was my mom and Letty and the family on my mom's side. Well, my dad made my mom get a hair follicle test because he was trying to fight for custody. And of course, with all the drugs that she was on, she didn't pass. At the time, I had no knowledge of it, but one day, I look at Letty. Letty looks at me and she says, hey, baby. I said, hey. Um, She said, your dad's coming to get you. I said, my dad? You know, who's that? (laughs) At three years old, you're clueless. But um, this mysterious man called my father came to our house. And I hid up under a coffee table or a dining room table holding on to the leg because I didn't want to go with this crazy man. I wanted to stay at home with my mom because that's what I knew and my mom was everything to me. You know, I kind of felt like she was getting taken away from me and I was bringing, at three years old, I was having to start a whole new life. With people she didn't know. With people I did not know. Um, For a little while, I started living with my dad after that. I would be able to see my mom and my grandma, Letty, um, every other weekend. 
good Lord knows that I looked forward to those weekends so much. Um, it was hell at my dad's house. My stepmom was very mentally abusive. Um, at three years old, she said things that shouldn't be said to a three, three-year-old. Um, you know... Anyways, I used that time with my mom for an escape all the way up to, I want to say, six or seven. Uh, That's when I started school. I didn't really have any friends. I was the type to keep to myself. Loner. A loner. And so I never really had any friends in school, so I was just there for the art projects and the learning, the alphabet, and all that. That's what made school interesting to me. Um, Because my teacher would always act so proud when I completed my assignments. But... Getting recognition for doing good things at school, so that made it easier for her to go and enjoy school. Because, in retrospect, and if I'm crossing the line, tell me to stop. She didn't get that where she was living with her dad and the stepmom and all that. That's why she looked forward to the weekends with her grandma Letty and her mother. Yep. Well, fast forward a little bit. I was, I want to say seven, um, in kindergarten, maybe first grade. I was an extended day at the time, and if nobody on here knows what that is, uh, if you're in school and you're going to be home alone, if you ride the bus, you just stay at an extended day. And then when your parents get off work, that's when they'll come pick you up, which both my parents got off at like five o'clock. So, I, you know, they would come pick me up from school at five o'clock. For the older gener- generation, that's after school programs. That's what <laughs> we called them. Like they, they, they get fancy on us with extended day and stuff, you know. <laughs> But for us, it was called after school, and most of y'all know what that was. I also did that, too. So that's why I knew exactly what she was going with. Yeah. Didn't mean to cut you off, but no, you're you know. good. You're good. <laughs> um, an extended day, my mom always told me, you know, baby, when you get 13 years old, you we're going to bring this to court, and you're going to be able to tell them who you want to live with. And, of course, I was going to say my mom. You know what I mean? <coughs> and... So, at extended day one time, I wrote a letter to myself. It's kind of like a diary page. And I wrote how I was going to, at 13 years old, I was going to move in with my mom. You know, I wrote a bunch of stuff down. And I put it in my binder. Well, I come home, and of course, before I can get it out, my stepmom goes looking through my binder. And, um... She seen the note, and she read it to my dad. And so my dad was furious. He made my mom get another hair follicle test, uh, just proven about how many drugs she was on and stuff like that, just to have something hanging over her head. And I'm going to butt in one more time real quick. Knowing her and knowing her story, this is another part of how manipulation is. At the age of, what, you were seven at the time, right? We should, a seven-year-old should have never seen a drug paper because in her mind, positive meant good. 
it was a lot of positives on there. So she was like, it's good. Right. At seven years old, you don't need to be explaining to somebody positive is bad and then go in detail on what exactly that means. Shitty human being. Right. Well, like he was saying, I got the paperback and that's exactly what happened. My dad sat me down in the living room and was like, this is the drugs that your mom's on. They all say positive, dad. Yeah, I know that's the bad thing. But positive means good. No, it don't. Cool. You know, I just had to face how my mom was on a bunch of drugs. And I still didn't want to accept that fact. So, after he got off the phone with my mom, um, after he got off the phone with my mom, my mom called me and said, you know, what is he doing? Why is he doing this, baby? Like, I'm never going to be able to see you. This is tearing me apart. You know, this and this and this. At seven years old, you don't know how to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of hard to just, you know, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And so, I couldn't see my mom for quite a while. <clears throat> and it got to the point where they, could, they couldn't even call. You know, I looked forward to those days where they could call on mon- Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and sometimes Sundays if I was good throughout the week. And... Um, I wasn't able to see them for months on end and they would send me letters in the mail and my dad would open them before I got them and say if I could have them or not you know what I mean and um, that was really hard for a 7 slash 8 year old to go through but once a month eventually once a month I was able to see my mom again she was in and out of jail and rehabs because she could never see me, so her life was even more off track. That one's wrong. Yep. She didn't care anymore. She was like, I don't get to see my baby. That's the one thing that, you know, kept my life together. And she didn't have that anymore, so she went ballistic. And I would go visit her in jail. I would visit her in rehabs. Um... My dad never knew about it, just because if he knew, I would never be able to go over there again. So it was all hush-hush. I would only get to see him once a month. And that was really, really hard for me. Because the house that I was living in was so mentally and physically abusive, it wasn't even funny. Um, Let me interject real quick. And the reason why I'm about to do this is because I know some of y'all going to listen to this and be like, okay, she had a strict parent. No, there's a big damn difference. Strict parent is good, and we're not bashing people who are very protective over their kids by any means. But in order to understand what she's saying, you literally have to imagine yourself at that age and dealing with this. Like, that is mental abuse to a whole nother level. Like, there's certain things that this young lady went through at that time nobody should have went through at her age. And when you go through stuff like that, it it fucks you up. It really does. And in a nutshell, like, her dad, whether it was good intentions or not, there was always a better way of going about that situation. And personally, I don't like the motherfucker, so y'all can say whatever the hell y'all want to say about me. I don't care. But um, it was better ways he could have handled that situation. But, like... When I say this, <laughs> to give y'all examples, um, 
I've always been tiny. My whole life, I've always been tiny, especially at that age. I was, what, not even 60 pounds, you know what I mean? And um, he had this wooden boat paddle, and he would beat the hell out of me with it. Uh, he broke it on my brother, and it was a thick-ass wooden boat paddle. You know, if you can imagine that, you know how thick they are, and he broke it on my other sibling. And had to duct tape it back together, and he just kept using it. <clears throat> and then my stepmom, examples of her mental abuse, um, at seven or eight years old, she would call me whore. Um, <clears throat> why, why do you look like this? Why do you talk like that? You know, mental abuse out the roof. If, you can, if you've been through mental abuse, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go too in-debt with that, but y'all know exactly what I'm talking about if you've been through it. And at seven years old and eight years old, that is really hard to deal with because you're like this is supposed to be my parent and they don't love me if that makes sense anyways um if you're wondering why she's praising her mom so much it is because the simple fact you also got to understand that's that love right there that's unconditional that's why she said uh she didn't want to see it or she didn't want to believe it that's unconditional like when you actually love somebody as much as you would love your parent, especially the one you already, that's the one you always knew. In your eyes, that's your superhero. They don't do wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those situations, like, you see it and you don't really acknowledge it because, simple fact, you don't want to believe it because in your mind, this is the greatest human being ever. No matter what people say about him, that's my mom. I'm always going to defend my mom. Exactly. So, for you assholes who's going to get on here and be like, oh, no, she's bashing her dad, but he wasn't that bad of a guy. No, no, you listen to the story. Put yourself in her shoes. Then you'll understand why she's doing this. I told you earlier this was a tragedy and trial. This is basically a testimony. You're going to understand why. Listen to the whole thing. Don't make no judgment yet. Okay, well, um, <clears throat> that went on until I was about nine years old. Um, my mom, <clears throat> she was in jail. Uh, the weekend or two weeks before I can't remember exactly when but soon before she got out of jail I went to go visit her she looked healthy she was so happy to see me I was so happy to see her you know what I mean and she got out of jail I remember it was a Friday eight o'clock in the morning is when I got told she passed away from a heroin overdose uh, she got out of jail, thought she could do the same amount that she could do before she went in. I don't know if that was on purpose or on an actual accident, but push comes to shove, she OD'd on heroin. Um, I came home. I was ready for the weekend. I had my one of my really good friends, one of my only friends. Uh, she was coming over to my house, <clears throat> and when I got off the bus... I went inside, we went straight to my bedroom. Uh, my dad and them were outside working in the yard. Um, we were playing that little game where you go in between your fingers. I can't remember what it's called, but my dad comes inside and he says, hey, I gotta talk to you. I thought I was in trouble. You know, with the family that I had, I was like, anything can get me in trouble. Like, what the fuck did I do? I was like, okay, dad. He took me outside to this building that he had built. Um, and he looked at me, he said, this is going to be kind of hard. 
to um, what is it called? Process. <clears throat> this is going to be a little hard to process, but your mom passed away. At 8 o'clock this morning is when they found her. She OD'd on heroin. Blah, blah, blah. I couldn't process it at the time. I'm not going to lie, I didn't cry because I was just in shock. But my dad made my friend go home, you know, blah, blah, blah. He ne- He didn't comfort me. He just told me how it was and then sent me to my room. I had no sympathy at nine years old. She passed away October 23rd, 2013. Um, and that was really hard for me because once it sunk in, I realized I didn't have my best friend anymore. I didn't have the mother and father anymore, you know what I mean? Um, I didn't have my rock. I didn't have the one thing that kept me happy. Well, um, I sat in my room that whole weekend, and then my dad asked me if I wanted to go to school, and I said yes, because it was much better than staying at the house with two abusive parents and an abusive brother. And this is going to be kind of where y'all see where what he was talking about. In third grade, after this happened, in third grade, or was it before? What grade, what grade are you in? I mean, what age are you in gr- third grade? Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, remember that's a long time. Yeah. Okay, just know that in third grade, yeah. while all this was going on, I had a I had a brother. We didn't have the same mom, but we have the same dad. Um, he was able to see his mom, you know, basically whenever he wanted to. Uh, I wasn't. He was treated like gold. I was not. She was treated like shit. Yeah. Um, my brother. We were playing Minecraft one time, and. That's a video game that you play on your Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. And he asked me how many blocks of wood was in a chest. I said, I think I said like eight. I cannot remember, but I said the wrong number. He looked at me, he was like, that's wrong. And he tried his fucking hardest to rape me. Bit me over the bed, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of a hard story to go into, so I'm not going to do that right now. And the only thing that made him stop was me saying, if you stop, I won't tell Dad anything. And that was the only thing that made him stop. Um, that went on third grade to 11th grade. And having the parents that I had, if I tried to tell them any little thing that was bothering me, it was go to your room, suck it up, you know... There's worse things that could happen. Uh, you're just a little titty baby. Blah, blah, blah. Told you. Piece of shit human beings. <clears throat> so I couldn't... I felt like I couldn't tell anybody. So I didn't. Um, I would run... After my mom passed away, I'm just going to add this in here. Once a month, I would still go see my grandma, Letty. Because she... <clears throat> after my mom passed away, it was... Letty, that was my rock. 
uh, she was the one that was there for me because she just lost her daughter. I just lost my mom. Um, we were both in the same boat. <clears throat> and she was there for me like no other. She became my mother and father figure. I would still go over there and see her once a month. And I would sometimes tell her about, you know, how my da how my brother would go around the house, you know, touching my butt or my waist or getting a little too close and how I would try to tell him to stop, but he would just, you know, fuck you and wouldn't. Um, so let's just say there was sexual abuse for years upon years with my brother. Yeah, maybe, remind, remember, it started when she was in the third grade, y'all. Third grade. Um, still a kid. Still a kid. So those have that have been in that type of situation, I'm sure you know um, mm -hmm. how I feel about that and how it's kind of hard to talk to and um, talk about. Anyways, um, in eighth grade, I was going through severe depression. Um, I thought I met the love of my life in seventh grade. He was my first kiss. Thought he was the love of my life. He he abused me. He put guns to my head. You know, left me out in the woods with no phone, in the dark. Side note: I'm night blind. Um, <laughs> very night blind. Very night blind. Um, and blind. Period. But anyways. Um, he would leave me out in the woods at 3 o'clock in the morning to fend for myself with no phone, no anything. Um, and growing up with the parent, the guy, the father that I had and the brother that I had, I knew no different. So I thought it was normal for a guy to treat a girl like that. So I was blinded by what he was doing and I was just there for the love, you know what I mean? And... I was there for the times that he did show me love. And my dad seen that he made me happy. He never knew anything about Tyler, really, just that he made me happy and he said no more. So I had to leave him. And at that time I was going through severe depression. I was cutting myself, uh, burning myself, taking very, very hot showers. Um, I tried to unalive myself four, three times. The first time that I did it, I woke up in the hospital bed. And I had my stepmom hovering over me, saying, Why the fuck did you do this? You're just seek seeking for attention. You attention whore. Uh, there's nothing in your life that should make you depressed. You should be the happiest little girl on this planet. Blah, blah, blah. I had nobody. I had no friends. I was talked about at school. I was bullied at school. Then I had to come home to what I was coming home to. I'm sure you can imagine why I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, yeah. Anyways, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. I was making really, really bad grades in 8th grade. I was making like C's and D's, occasionally an F. And to my dad, I should have had all straight A's. Or I was a piece of shit. 
a lazy fuck. So every Thursday he would take that wooden bow paddle and he would beat me with it. Every point that I was off from an A, that's how many paddlings I got. Say if I had a 69, just imagine 70 all the way to 90. That's how many paddlings I got for that class. 29 in circle. 29 paddlings just for that no, class. 21. 21 just for that class. And then it moved on to the next class and the next class. You see where I'm going with that. Torture. Torture. And he would do that <laughs> until he was done. Um, I had bruises to hell and back. Um, my eighth grade, I didn't have a phone. I was banned from my phone. I think he threw it and broke it. Um, so no social life. I had to wake up in the morning, go to school, get home from school, um, cook clean, cook clean, and then I would study until 8.30, take a shower, go to bed. That's what my routine was from Monday to Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday was clean, cook, do everything. And uh, that was my life for my entire 8th grade year. Um, I would sit in my room and... The thing is, this is how shitty the situation was. I was crying out for help as I was sitting there, quote-unquote, studying. Um, I would be sitting there cutting my wrists. And my br- how my ha- that house was set up the hallway... My bedroom was right there, and then you had to walk through my bedroom to get to my brother's bedroom. And so they seen when I was cutting myself, and I was cutting myself really, really deep. And they seen it, and they just chose to ignore it. Uh, There's a lot of in-between stories that I'm missing, but I'm just trying to get, you know, a good point across. Anyways, moving on to ninth grade. Um, I got my, I learned how to put on a fake face. I learned how to be fake, you know. I finally was getting better grades. I was trying to be the trophy kid. I finally got into sports, and that helped me a lot. I was a really good volleyball player. Very good volleyball player. She's being (laughs) modest as hell. (laughs) She was one of the best ones. Uh... And I played volleyball from ninth grade to 12th grade. I was a starter my half of my 10th grade year on varsity, all of my 11th grade year, and all my 12th grade year. Um, See, modest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really what got me through my hard times was volleyball. And that was like my go-to thing. But my grades were getting better. Two years later, I got a phone, a lot of restrictions. My brother would go through it constantly. Anytime I tried to have a friend or a boyfriend, it was my brother scared them off. So I didn't have anybody. I couldn't have anybody. Everybody was always scared to talk to me. Then I got up to high school, um, 10th grade, you know, I fought for that relationship that I told y'all about earlier for five years. That's how blinded and in love I was. Um, 
he would cheat on me constantly. I didn't care as long as I had him. Uh, one time I tried leaving him and he said he had a gun and he pointed it at me. Then he pointed it at himself and he said, if you leave, uh, me and you were dying right here, right now. But eventually I got out of that. And he did try to come back and I'm very proud of myself for this, but I didn't go back. Because in 11th grade, I met what I thought, again, was the love of my life. Uh, He was the person that I had there. He helped me through everything. Literally everything. Um, He would come over to my dad's house no matter what my dad would say to him or no matter how bad my brother my brother you know talked to him he didn't care as long as he was there for me um he put up with all that bullshit and then um Y'all, we're going to take a brief intermission real quick. We'll come right back. She's going to get back on the story, all right? Y'all keep listening to the hottest podcast going. This is the one and only Karma. You already know what it is, and you're listening to the 11th Hour with the perspective of kids. So y'all keep listening. Yes, sir. Yo, yo, yo. Sorry for the brief interlude, man. We got bills we had to take care of, you know. Make sure y'all do the likes and all that on Spotify Podcast Addict. Uh, we're going to be on Apple Podcasts soon. We're on Google Podcasts. So, yeah, man, y'all make sure y'all leave like, comment, share, whatever you want to do. If you want to comment on her or her testimony, uh, feel free to do it. I will be checking them, and more than likely she's going to check them. You come at her sideways, be prepared because she will come back at you. <laughs> I'm a feisty one. So. But, you know what I'm talking about? Like, if you've been going through this thing and you relating to a story, leave her some acknowledgement, man. Leave her comments. She'll gladly get back to you when she can so this is part two of ken's testimony let's get it ken uh something i want to add in there before i get into my second love um he came into my life and as i was talking about before after my mom passed away letty was my rock she became my rock she became my everything you know what i mean and she i found out she had cancer she had lung cancer and at the time I did not know how to take it I didn't want to believe it kind of like with my mom I didn't want to believe you know that my everything was dying um and we kind of made it to where we didn't really think about it we were just living in the moment you know what I mean well she dealt with that for a long while and um September 13th of 2020, she passed away at home. She was dealing, she was going through chemo and then they found a brain tumor. She got that out, still on chemo, and her body couldn't take it. So, um, she passed away. Then again, I was lost, but at the time I had Alan, and Alan was my, also was my everything. So he helped me get through that. Um, After Letty passed away, or right before Letty passed away, I finally told, at the time I had 
I'm getting this all jumbled up. So, before Letty passed away, I had this girlfriend. She was just, you know, a little fling or whatever. Um, I finally told her about my brother. She told my brother's girlfriend. It got out. I finally had to tell my dad the story. He blamed it all on me, said it was the clothes that I wore. Keep in mind, my, I was five six and a hundred pounds maybe um i was in what a size two and a small shirt and i had to wear size eight pants and a large shirt or i would be a or my stepmom would continuously call me a whore um but he said it was the clothes that i wore you know, how I acted, how I carried myself, all that. It was nowhere near my brother's fault, and it was all my fault. So, basically, she got blamed for everything. Right. Because of her parents. Right. And so, I had to lie to my girlfriend at the time, because my dad forced me to. He said, tell her that Keegan caught you doing something you weren't supposed to do, and you wanted to get back at him. So, that's what I had to tell people. Uh, you can imagine how bad the bullying got then. Um, <clears throat> what I was labeled as, everything else. Well, um, that happened. Then I found Alan because, you know, uh, I found Alan. Then Letty passed away. He helped me through that. And then I kind of went ballistic and I did things I wasn't supposed to do, but Alan stuck by me because he knew who I really was. Well, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of the school named Welburn, but that is the school that I went to. There were two teachers that sexualized me and wanted me to do things I'd didn't necessarily want to do. Uh, keep in mind, my grades were everything to my dad. So if I felt like I couldn't talk to nobody, these teachers were wanting me to do things that I didn't want to do. But if I didn't, I would fail the class. If I told my dad something like that, he wouldn't believe me, or so I thought at the time. So I felt like I just had to do it. Now mind y'all, also remember, her grades was important to her dad. She told you a story about the paddle. If she went from a 60 to a 90, that's 30 hits with a paddle for one class. Right. These are two. But keep that in mind when she's telling you all that. Right. And so I did the things that the teachers wanted me to do just so I could keep peace, I guess. Because I hate conflict. Um, arguing, yelling, I cannot stand it for the life of me. Um, don't think she won't do it to you. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, feisty. <laughs> Just being honest, she, she's very spunky. Um, so, I, you know, I kept peace with it, and I just did what the teachers wanted me to do. I put myself on the back burner, said, fuck it. Well, I finally told the counselors. A whole lot of stuff went on. My dad blamed me for everything once again so I went to go stay with my dad's mom in Pell City and I did online school for the rest of my senior year um 
<laughs> Y'all are going to get a laugh out of this one. But I stayed there for months. And then I wasn't supposed to have a phone. The cops had my phone. My dad said no electronics unless it's for school. But my grandma, being the lovely lady that she is sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I like how she threw sometimes in there. <laughs> Uh, she gave me one of her old phones. It didn't have any service. It was ran off Wi-Fi, but it was an iPhone. If you get what I'm saying, you can use iMessages on an iPhone without data. As if long you know, as... you know. If you don't, you probably got an Android. Right. Anyways, uh, so I was texting my boyfriend at the time, Alan. And one day he snuck over because I wasn't supposed to be seeing him, you know, but I still wanted to see my man, so I was like... He taking on a portion of this story. (laughs) (laughs) So I snuck him in the window. Y'all, push comes to shove. I'm sure y'all know exactly what happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one day we were taking pictures in the mirror with no clothes on. (laughs) 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 My grandma walks in. The very first time that she walks in, she walks in with us naked, taking pictures in the mirror. I'm sure y'all can know how y'all know how that went. She called. (laughs) I was like, oh my god. I'm so about to die. <laughs> she called the cops on us twice. Hold uh, on, time out, because this is part of that story she didn't tell. Did you try <laughs> to hide behind the door and he stood there? Okay, intervention. Okay, backtrack. Yeah, um, that part, that was the part where you're going to get the laugh at, and I'm sorry. Fuck it, I was going to get it out of her one way or the other. So when she walked in, uh, <laughs> when she walked <laughs> in, <laughs> Toby, <laughs> Toby, when she walked in, um, <laughs> we didn't have any clothes on, and my nervous ass hid behind the door instead of pushing Alan behind the door, mm-hmm. and so I was hiding behind the door, and she just seen Alan butt-ass naked, talking about, who are you? Now, mind you, this is her grandmother. Yeah. See so, dude, a little young man, <laughs> but I'm talking about just asshole to appetite open. <laughs> While her granddaughter is hiding behind the door. <laughs> Funny shit. So mortified ain't even a word you could choose to describe this one right here. Right. That was just wow. <laughs> she was like, who the hell are you? I'm Alan. Hey, how are you doing? And this is my glory. Yay. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, she called the cops on us after that. We ran out the window after we gathered all our stuff. He left his phone there. Now, hold on. Before y'all get to thinking, they did actually put the clothes back on before they ran out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We put our clothes back on. We put our shoes on. I grabbed my wallet. He grabbed his wallet. We just forgot his phone. And so, if y'all... Y'all know the expression, Dukes of Hazard. (laughs) Okay, then this is part I didn't catch. Oh, (laughs) dog, you got to tell what happened to the Dukes of Hazard thing. Okay, so... Who slid across the car? (laughs) Did you slide across the car? (laughs) 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 anyways this is the part that i'm trying to get at that y'all are gonna be like what the fuck anyways um we get down the road to the stop sign we're like trying to get away because the cops are like otw they're on the way and so we get to the stop sign at the end of the road and he's like i'm like you need to call your dad tell him that we're coming tell him that i'm gonna be with you tell him the situation he goes to reach for his phone it's not there. He's like, babe, please tell me that you grabbed the, my fucking phone. I'm like, I didn't grab shit, but my wallet and myself. 
you know, I left my soul at the house because, you know. Oh, I'm your soul was always the left there. <laughs> but anyways, um, and he, if, okay, he. <laughs> Told you y'all was going to laugh. <laughs> at the, he runs the stop sign going really fast, pulls his e-brake, does like a 360 turn. So he We're told like, he'll drift that yeah, ass. we fucking was holding on. He said, hold the fuck on. He put his arm over me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we went back to the house to try to get his phone. The window was already locked, so we were banging on that bitch, talking about, let us the fuck in, give us the goddamn phone. She said, no. She said, this is my phone, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so we're like, okay, fuck you. And we scurried back to Jacksonville, Alabama in a matter of how long does it usually take to get from Pell City to Jacksonville? 35, 38 minutes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we took like 15, 20 minutes. I imagine so. Yeah. And we passed the cops that was on the way to the scene. Oh, damn. And luckily they didn't know what kind of car we were in. Um... So we get back and we tell his dad the conversation, the the situation. He's like, "Y'all just go the fuck to bed. Like, ain't no cops gonna be coming here tonight, anyways. Um, y'all just go to bed. We'll talk about this in the morning." We find out that the only way I'm gonna be able to stay and not go to jail or juvie, or you know, juvie, you are yeah. Juvie. How we were both not gonna go to juvie. And how we were going to keep ourselves out of trouble and get what we wanted in the first place was to get married. So the next day we got married. Um, initially, we were supposed to go to the Aniston Courthouse. But then I, when we got there, I realized my dad's job is right beside that courthouse. So we scurried to the Talladega. And we didn't... What are those? The notary people. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. We forgot that we had to get it notarized. So we showed up to the courthouse. She was like, this is how much it's going to cost. Luckily, beforehand, we were already planning on getting married after I graduated. So, um... so kind of sped up the process a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Initially, my best friend's mom gave me $100 to cover the marriage. So I kept that for dear life. I was like, I'm not spending this money. I'm, this is exactly what it's going to. Um, so I kept the money, you know, happened earlier than it was supposed to. But um, we got to the courthouse. She was like, here's the paper. You got to get it notarized. Uh, put in all your information, blah, blah, blah. So we're trying to find the library to fill out the forms and print them off. And we had to go to three different libraries. But keep in mind, one of Alan's old friends, one of my husband, ex-husband's old friends, um, called him and said, Hey, bud, hope you know that, like, cops are looking for y'all. And we're like, oh, shit. So, like, we're basically on the run. Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. And... Luckily, at the last, very last minute, we had we searched for 45 minutes for a notary person, and we finally found one, and we sped to his house. It was the most unprofessional-looking place, but it was the most professional notary person that I've ever met, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, mm-hmm. Pre-judgment is a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so we said our vows, did our I-do's, blah, blah, blah. 
Went back to the courthouse, got it all figured out. I was finally Kinley Johnston instead of Kinley Pritchett. Um, and so nobody could touch me. Nobody could touch him. Everybody else was fucked, you know what I mean? Nobody could say shit to us anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, here is back into the little sadness. Yep. Growing she, up the way that I did. She took you on a roller coaster. You go up, <laughs> you're going down. A bit. The story ends with her being up again. So. Yeah, just so y'all know. So this ain't going to be one of them. a happy ending. Yeah. Um, me, growing up the way that I did, um, when somebody really cared for me, I ran from them. I didn't know how to take it. So when me and Alan got married and um, we both got comfortable, our marriage went downhill. I started running from him. Uh, started to, I was basically convincing myself that he didn't love me. Because in my mind, I was like, who in the world could love me? Even though we went through the situation that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, that's I still had that mindset. But... Um, so I got to the point things led up to this but I'm not going to get into that basically I was trying to get away so bad not because he was a bad husband it was my, my own mental issues zero confidence zero confidence and let me just put that in there he tried his damnedest to try to put confidence in me and I just didn't want to believe it because of the childhood that I had. Mm-hmm. And so I cheated on him with his best friend at the time. He found out my life went to shit. I didn't give a I didn't give a fuck about anything, didn't give a fuck about myself. Um I had just lost my everything because of my own issues. So I used sex as a getaway. Um, I broke everybody that came near me. I told people, you know, don't care for me. Just, you know. <clears throat> Correction. Don't care for me was the light thing. <laughs> don't fall in love with me was what was said. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yo, 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 back again. You know, after another brief end of mission, like I said, dude, we got sponsors. Got to pay for everybody, man. It is what it is. But to pick up where she left off, because I know her better than most people, so I'm going to kind of take over this part of this journey for y'all. But before I do that, let me explain something to you uh, with her situation with the ex-husband. She ran from him, true indeed, but also you also got to understand, in her mindset, he saved her from a lot of things. I know this for a fact because she's told me personally. He saved her life. And if you heard and you listened to what she just explained, you would should have probably already got that by now. But just for the safe side, yeah, he was the at the time one of the best things that ever happened to her. And she was slowly getting her confidence. But self determination, self defecation is the worst damn thing that can happen to somebody. They are never allow themselves to get happy. They never allow themselves to feel safe, comfortable. Which ultimately, that's what she was talking about when she said she started running. And ran she did. <laughs> and here comes where the running really gets going. Because now we're finna enter. This is still on the... This is on a come up, but it's going to take a minute to get there. 
if y'all follow me, just stay tuned. So, she like she said, she didn't give a fuck about nobody. She didn't. Well, how could you? If you don't give a fuck about yourself, you damn sure ain't gonna care about nobody else. So, whoever came in contact with her, I hate using this term, and she knows I don't want to say this, but she used people. She used them for temporary fixes. That's literally what they were. And then she got into a five-way, basically. And no, I'm not talking about like she slept with five different people. Basically was she had five people she got comfortable with to an extent. Two in particular she started feeling safe with. Then her running really took off. She would find things to run for, little shit. She has in her head an idea Everybody's out to hurt her. Everybody's out to gain something from her. Her mindset was, I'm going to fuck them over before they get me. But considering the life she lived, kind of got to understand that. So, and all this ultimately led back to her husband, by the way, her ex-husband. So let me get that in there too before anybody think, oh no, she was just doing this just because she know. All this was setting back up for her to get back to her husband. It's just she went about it a different way than most people would, but You'll understand what I'm talking about in a second. So there was this one person. I will not use names because I don't want to give that female the satisfaction. Anywho, she was there. She claimed she fell in love with her and all this and this, that, and the third. And Ken's being her. Ken's is very popular on Snapchat, by the way. So, and her ex-husband follows her on Snapchat. So she would put shit up just to piss him off. And this girl was literally the start of that whole cycle. I know the best way to fucking hurt him. What's the best way to hurt a man? Leave him for a female. What can you not compete with? As a man, you can never compete with a female. That's, at that point, just go chop yourself off like you're done. Like I'm not condoning killing yourself, but you pretty much just died anyway. So, kids knowing how she is, and this is where her manipulating skills get very advanced too. So, the girl thought she was, basically, she tried to play Ken's, and Ken's is a master of playing people. You can't play a, you can't play a player. So, she tried it. Somehow, during the round, started turning from, I'm using her to manipulate some person to, damn, I actually do care about her. She got vulnerable. And then that's when reality hit her again. This person ain't good for her. That female ultimately did what she did. Basically, in a nutshell, she used... Her and Ken's role reversed. Ken fell in love with her, but she used Ken to get back to her quote-unquote ex-husband. How the hell he your ex-husband? You get engaged two days later after you break up with somebody. And it don't sound like y'all was ex at all. But anywho, that's my personal opinion. Just saying, I don't like the bitch. But anyway, so then you move on to another one. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get all the way real because you already know who's going to come up next. <laughs> Then you got the little motherfucker. I don't, I'm not going to call him a midget because, you know, certain people take offense to that little people. But whatever. That little piece of worthless trash. He was there. And honestly, if you listen to what she said, he's already been mentioned. And I'm not giving him the satisfaction of saying his name no more because he's a piece of crap. But anywho, he was there and basically she just used him for that sexual situation. Like... <laughs> Hey, I need penis. Hey, you got one. Come. Leave. 
<laughs> like literally, thank you, bye. Like, thank you, fuck you, bye. That's pretty much what that was. Then here comes, and I'm not going to stay too much on him because I could have went a whole different direction with that. Then you got the other little fucker. He comes around and basically the same thing. He's worthless. Hi. Fuck you. Bye. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So then she comes across me and another individual. And hell, I said his name last night. Country Bo. That's what I call him anyway. She realized then people actually do care about her and not just for sex. Like, people genuinely want to care for her. So she runs. She puts ideas in her head. She puts them through just ungodly amount of fucking test here. (laughs) In her mind, she's weeding out people. Now, mind you, you also got to remember, the Kells now was not the Kells then. Kells then didn't realize she was hurting people. Or for that matter, didn't really give a fuck if she was hurting people. Because she was already fucked up. So, again, how can I care for somebody else when I'm already fucked up? I don't care for myself. I can't care for nobody else. Well, two people stuck around. And for the life of her, she couldn't figure out why. And she kept trying to find ways to make them leave. They never left. Still haven't left. Now she's on a spiritual journey. She started realizing stuff about herself that both have told her. Same thing the ex-husband was trying to tell her, but at the time, she wouldn't listen. Because she knew she'd get away from him. Now, she listened. She finally understands her worth. So she tried to make amends with her husband. She tried to fix it. Don't really know where that went. (laughs) But her saving grace is this. Two things she can also take and run with. She owned up to her mistake. She stopped blaming people for everything. She blamed herself. She knew in her head she had to be the one to fix it. And she tried to damn this to him. What happened? That's for her and him to tell you because I don't really know. But she could take solace in knowing the fact that she finally admitted she made a mistake. She tried everything to fix it. If it don't work, she could walk away with her head held high. If it do work, she get back what she wanted. And the beautiful thing about it is the two people she is so definitely afraid of losing ain't left dead. They won't leave now. So Ken's ultimately gets her confidence back. Slowly, still an asshole, but she she goes she gets her confidence back. She turns into a brand new person, an amazing person. Person who, and I can say this, and she won't get mad about it. A person who a mom, a person who Letty, will be very proud of. Cause I know, as the person I am, I'm proud of you. I watched a struggling, depressed, self-destructive 18-year-old grow into one hell of an amazing woman. Most people don't see changes. Most people don't recognize them. When they do, they know. But the difference is now, he was looking for validation. Then, 
You ain't looking no more. Validated myself. There you go. <clears throat> That's another thing. Growing up in hard situations, you always, always, always look for validation in people, especially in parents. Or parental figures, because you didn't have parents. Yeah, or Sorry, figures. you had one. And so I always grew up looking for validation. But, baby, validate yourself. Know your worth. Also understand something. And, yeah, you knew I was going back to this at some point. Also understand. There are people who are going to try to manipulate you. Try to build you into a certain person that they want you to be. At the end of the fucking day, it don't matter who that person is or how much that person claims they care about you. You be who you want to be. You be the person you're supposed to be. If they can't deal with that person that you are, fuck them. It doesn't matter at that point. Because at the end of the day, if a person really cares about you, a person really loves you, they love you for who you are and what you're going to become. They don't love you for what they perceive you to be. Because in most people's mind, everybody has an agenda. When they start talking to somebody, everybody has a goal. Some go sleep with you. Some go spend a couple months with you. Some goals make memories with you. Some goals get somebody else off their mind. Then there's some people who see the good in you the entire time. They realize it, even when you didn't want to. And they stick around you. And they, without doing them much, but they get the credit of creating the person you are. That person goal, and that person would be me, was for you to be the best version of you. And you far succeeded that. So again, I'm very proud of you. And the journey you've came on. Because you came a long way in a short period of time. And for those... Uh, Go ahead. Speak your shit, girl. Talk your <laughs> shit. So, my powerful ass self. And no, I wouldn't have said that four months ago. You wouldn't have said that five hours ago. <laughs> Not fucking good. Uh, don't let anybody put a time on your growth. So many people have, you know, they go around, she can't change that much in two months. Mm-hmm. Baby, I did. Yes, she did. I did. I flipped my whole mindset around. And yeah, there's still some days that I wake up in the morning saying, why did I even wake up? But you know what? You know what I do? I look in that mirror and I remind myself about how beautiful I am and how smart and how unique. And I've learned things about myself that I never you know, looked at. And I'm like, damn. You know, I'm not replaceable. There she go. <laughs> I'm not replaceable, you know what I mean? And it's really crazy because if you would have known me not too long ago, you know, I would have never said that. No, she wouldn't have. I would have never, ever said that. She would have told you straight to your face because she did it to me. I can be replaced by anybody. Those was words that were said to me. Yep. I'm very replaceable. I'm. I don't have nothing to offer to somebody. Right. And I looked you dead in your fucking face and told you a damn line. I will punch you in your face if you ever say that again. <laughs> now I ain't got to threaten her because she very much tells you, <laughs> "Bitch, I'm the shit. You ain't gonna tell me differently." Ain't nobody go, baby. Listen, you're not replaceable. You're not. 
you're unique in your own way. There you go. Life is beautiful. You know what I mean? And a lot of people try to say you control your happiness. But in a way, that's really not true. But in a way, it is very true. When you're going through depression, it's really hard to find out how to be happy by yourself. Facts. It's really hard. But someone that doesn't deal with depression is like, why don't you just be happy? It's really hard for someone that's going through something or going through depression, anything. Going through life in general. Exactly. But this goes back to something that I said last night. Stop worrying about what other people think about you. Stop trying to make other people happy. If someone looks in your mirror and says what you're doing wrong, look at them and say, why don't you look in your own mirror before you look in somebody else's? Go back to what I said. Can't throw rocks when you live in a glass house. Right. And to further what she was saying about the self-growth, it's very hard to pull yourself out of slumps. But some people come in your life and you're hesitant because you're so used to people fucking you over. You're so used to being hurt by people. You lose faith. You lose faith in humanity. But then you find somebody who sees the good in you, who sees the best in you, and they're trying so damn hard to bring it out of you. And you run because you think they're trying to manipulate you. When in actuality, they're just trying to show you the love you've been searching for. Right. And when you actually do go on that journey, and everybody's going to take it, one way or the other, it's going to happen. You find that journey and you go through it. You start realizing the stuff that that person told you a long time ago. And when he when they initially tell you, you get angry. You be like, stop talking to me. I don't want to talk about this no more. I don't want to hear this. Because you don't believe it. Because nobody's ever validated it like that to you. So when the person finally does, you run. That's what Ken's was talking about. She ran. But with that being said, if you genuinely care about somebody and you genuinely truly, truly want to see the good in them and you see it and you know it's there and you're trying your damage to bring it out of them, you let them run and you let them run because you know just as well as anybody else do and I guarantee you the person who runs know it better than anybody else. They're always coming back. And when they come back, they get more vulnerable every time. They get more comfortable. Then, they finally found their peace. Learn somebody before you judge them. There you go. Learn somebody. Have Take the time to sit down and hear their story. Because you will learn so much about an individual if you just listen. That's and the biggest phrase. take the time. Take time. And here's another thing about being the person who sees the good in somebody. It requires a lot of patience. Especially if they really damage... It requires a lot of fucking patience. And you're going to get tested a lot. But you know what's just funny about that? You find out shit about yourself when you didn't even realize you was on one. And then you check yourself. Like, damn, I never knew that about me before. I probably need to fix that now. Now, ain't just one person growing. It's two people growing. And then you both sit back and you look at the journey y'all been on and you like... We did that. 
When nobody else thought we could, we did it. At the end of the day, fuck what everybody else say. Because opinions like an asshole, everybody got one. <laughs> and everybody's going to say what they want. And if you know anything about an asshole, nine times ten when they open, what comes out of it? <laughs> Shit. So, you can take what they say and you can let it destroy you. Or you can do like Ken's. You can do like Country Bo. Hell, you can do like me. We all have done it. Take what they say. Let it motivate you. A change is going to come in you one way or the other. It can be good, bad, or indifferent, depending on how you take the words. Stop searching for validation within people. Find validation within yourself. Know your worth. Because once you know that, it's going to be kind of hard to knock somebody off a pedestal when they already know they're up there. Right. Goes back to, and the reason why you go on these journeys, I'm going to ask y'all both a question. Who's hungry? The wolf on top or the one climbing? Why? Struggling the most. Mm-hmm. Struggle makes you hungrier. So you go through bullshit. At the time, you might not even recognize it. But all that makes what, Kens? Makes you who you really are, don't it? Yep. And for the people who's sitting up there at the top, they'll never know your story. And I want to say one more thing. You go right ahead, girl. This is your <laughs> testimony. Talk your shit. Baby. Quit thinking, why does this happen to me? And start thinking, what am I trying to say? Stop questioning, basically. Like, I deserve this what shit. What can I learn from this? Yeah. How can this build me up? Instead of saying why, say what? how. Yeah, there you go. How can I benefit from this horrible situation? How can I better myself from this horrible situation? I'll give you another example. In life, you're always going to come to that fork in the road. You got one way, you got another way. This is the way everybody else takes. Some good, some bad. This is the way other people take. Mostly loners. They take that way. It ain't the destination is how you go about it. What I mean by that is, I can take the same road with both of y'all. All of us is going to come out with three different outcomes. Because if you take the road that's everybody else is doing... You take, expect them basically take the road that's meant for you. There you go. You expect with everything else to happen that happened to everybody else, you expect it to happen to you. But it's not that way. God exactly. didn't create you to go on everybody else's path. He created you to you go, go on your own damn path. So and maybe like I was saying earlier, and I made videos of this, but if you wake up in the morning, going back to what I was saying earlier, not wanting to be here, you know, struggling. Look at yourself in the mirror. Tell yourself how unique you are. Baby, you control your happiness to a certain... I'm not saying... It was going back to what I was saying earlier, but I'm, you know, adding to what I was saying earlier about this. You control your happiness. Don't let nobody get in your way. It is your way or the highway, baby. Like, when I drive... Listen, y'all come... Y'all gonna laugh. Because <laughs> I'm a reckless-ass driver. Facts. But... You know, I can do some cool shit. But anyways. Thanks. When I'm driving, I'm like, this is my road, baby. Like, you get out of my way. Yeah, she owns it, literally. Yeah. Don't take that as driving like I do. Take that into life perspective. You know, get out of my way. You're, you know, don't let anybody get in your way. Don't let anybody get in your way. And with that being said, and you know what I'm about to say, I'm, I'm actually surprised you didn't say it. 
Don't let nobody get in your way, including your motherfucking self. Right. Get out of your own way. That was my biggest fucking problem. And that's the shit I drugged in her head so fucking much to the point she damn near wanted to punch me. I, I was in my own way for a while. Yeah. As soon as I got out of my own way, baby, I bloomed like the prettiest fucking flower on this planet fucking earth. She did. Because I realized how strong I am now, how beautiful I am, you know, how unique I am. Anybody would be lucky to have me. I'm very motherly. I'm very kind, very funny, very uh, ghetto. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of attitude in me, but, you know, you got to keep smiling. You wouldn't think that when you see her. You'd be like, no, she, doll. First time I ever met her. Get to know me. The first fucking thing. I ever seen her. Now, mind you, me and her worked at the same place. Then she went through her little laps and she left her job. But that's besides the point. First thing I was told about her was she's unique. What exactly does that mean? Take it for however you want to. I said, okay, cool. She needs a friend. I said, all right, cool. I can do that. No problem. So I'm getting the build up of this person and I've never seen her before don't know what she looked like but I'm getting it still to my head who this person is she needs a friend she's very unique she's confrontational at times <laughs> but she's very loving it just takes a lot you it's a it's a process with her all right cool I'm always down for process no problem first fucking time I ever meet kids was the funniest shit. Remember, remember, I'm 5'8 and 125 pounds. Just Soaking wet with a sponge. Now, <laughs> this might not be funny to y'all, but fuck you. It's funny to me. Stifle Tower is every bit of 6'7, 3 something. Man cover the ground he walks on. I see this 5'8 individual, because I never seen a face at this time either, <laughs> mind you. First time I seen her, I seen her legs. And I just seen him walking very fast like she had a purpose here. <laughs> and the first thing she does is walk up to this motherfucking mammoth of a man. Bitch, I'll beat your motherfucking ass. And I immediately died right there like I bust out laughing. That was single-handedly the funniest shit I've ever seen. Because I'm sitting there, I'm like, this dude could usually, literally use her as a fucking toothpick. And like pick <laughs> his teeth with her. But she bucking on him like... He is like every bit of three feet tall. Like, you just ain't shit to me. I don't care about your height. I don't care how much you weigh. And I don't give a damn if your arm is bigger than my thigh. I will still beat your ass. And I'm like, she has a lot of moxie. I got to get to know this person. Now, mind you, again, I've already had in my head who Ken's is supposed to be. This is not Ken's who I'm looking at. And I'm like... I walked up to Stifle Tower. I was like, yo, is that your girl? He's like, oh. I was like, what? He's like, nah. I said, oh, say less. He immediately had to go talk to her. Ended up turning into one of the greatest decisions I ever made. I ain't going to tell. I remember every damn thing. She remembers everything I said. We ain't got to go into all that. <laughs> but the, the unique nature of all this was somebody who was so fucking determined to prove she was Billy Badass Turned out to have the biggest fucking heart in the world. Personas. That's literally what she put on. And then when she met me, instantly she had to run. 
because I was the one motherfucker who could break that shit down to her. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> two weeks later. No, it wasn't even two weeks. It was the same week. Yeah. Same week. Three days later, exactly. Sitting right here. Me and Ken's talk, but like, Ken's really found out I pay attention to a lot of things. Might not seem like it, but I notice shit a lot of people don't notice. I sit here and literally broke her life down to her. And two things happened out of that conversation. I hit a sore spot. She said she don't want to talk about it no more. Got it. Cool. But the part that always going to stick out with me, and I know it's going to stick out to you. Are you God? (laughs) Now, for those who don't know what I'm talking about when I say I broke down her life. Again, we might have had maybe, what, seven conversations at that time. And I literally told her her whole life story. And based off of seven conversations, nobody's ever broken her down like that. Nobody's ever gotten. Nobody's ever took the time to really learn me. And so when I done it, her first intuition, I got to get the hell away from this man because he is batshit crazy. He's (laughs) going to do something to me. She found out it wasn't that in Kate. It wasn't that at all. It was genuinely, she was looking for love and I gave it to her. Not the way she was used to it, though. What I mean by that is love of a friend, somebody who wants to genuinely see you happy, no matter what it costs. Somebody who was going to be there for you even when you don't want him to. Somebody who's going to get mad and do stupid shit. He's going to blow up at times. He's going to wild out on you. But after a while, when Cooler Head prevail, you understand why he done it. Somebody who's going to take the time to hear your problems and listen to them. Somebody who's also going to tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. In actuality, you told me before Alan saved you. Looking back on it, do you still feel that way? And this ain't no right, yes or no answer. It's just I want your honest opinion on it. Because that was something I've been meaning to ask you for a while, and I just never figured out how I was going to word it. I believe that he saved me in a certain kind of way. Okay, elaborate on that. He saved me from myself at the time. Mm-hmm. He got me out of situations that I would have never gotten myself out of. Okay. Uh, he had his part in saving my life, yes. That's all. Like, that's what I really wanted to ask you. The reason why I asked you that is because you also told me I saved you at one time. Mm-hmm. I never saved you. That was you the whole time. I was just a guy that liked to do it. So I don't, when you told me that, that's why I looked at you crazy. And I was like, no, I didn't. And then you tried to explain to me how I've done it. I was like, no, I'm not taking fucking credit for that. <laughs> that also goes back to what I talked about last night. I don't like recognition. So when you said I saved you, I was like, no, uh-uh. In actuality, all I did was provide you the information that you already had. You just needed somebody to push you to the point that you would get so frustrated with him, but then you always knew this motherfucker was right the whole time. That's what I was doing. So that's why I say, yeah, I made you aggravated. Yeah, I pissed you off a lot. All that was done to bring out the person that you are now. Yo, 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 what's good, world? So in post, we actually uncovered something else that she really wanted to talk about. And she asked me to do it, so I will. Um... Like I told you about the parents and being strict and everything, and I told you it was a big damn difference. You fit understand why I said that. 
because when her mom passed away, her dad literally told her, you're not going to the funeral. That was one thing he did. And if I remember correctly, and if I'm tapping over the line, please tell me to stop. <clears throat> when Letty passed, did he not tell you the same damn thing too? This girl literally sat there, and I remember exactly how that story went. You was in the bathroom. And I'm going to get back on the mom thing in a minute. Just This one is fresh on my head. You was in the bathroom, and you got the phone call that Letty passed away. First, well, initially, you didn't want to believe it, obviously, because, again, that was her rock. So she got angry, basically told the person, tell me you're lying. It's a sick joke, but tell me you're lying. Please tell me you're, I don't remember if you cussed in that one or not. Yeah. Okay. Please tell me you're fucking lying. She might not have said the words, but you get what I'm saying. So she walks out the bathroom and her dad, she's like literally in a daze. Like her dad felt he was, she was staring at him when actually she really wasn't. She was just gone. Realization hit her. And he said, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he's like, that's it. That's that's the thing. And he's like, what the fuck are you staring at? And he was getting a little aggressive with it. And if you know Ken's, you know that don't end well for most people. So she, in turn, got a little bit more aggressive with her statement. That's, that's it. She's gone. He was like, what the hell are you talking about? And then she basically screamed at him, Letty's gone. At that point, you know, most parents would go grab their child, hug them, tell them everything's going to be okay. You know, comfort is the word. No, he sat there in his fucking chair and watched her fall on the ground. And she laid there for a little bit. So eventually she got herself up. She went in her room. She basically cried. Nobody went in there checked on her. Nobody gave a fuck how she was doing. Basically, somebody's left to deal with comfort by themselves, and they already have a fucked up mind. So, how do you deal with comfort when you already don't want comfort? Cutting. Self-definition again. All this was going on. They fucking knew it. <clears throat> and then instead of acting like real parents, they chose to not give a fuck. So, when I told you there was worthless pieces of shit, maybe now you get what I'm saying. So, to that motherfucker, and if she don't say it, I will. I'll gladly say it. Fuck you. There you go. But, see, that's her doing it. Here comes where I come in. Eventually, I'm going to come across your ass. Some point, might be two weeks from now, might be two years from now. Eventually, I'm going to see you. When I do, you better pray to whoever the fuck it is you pray to. Because I guarantee you finna go meet him. And to the brother, since I'm just getting all this out of my system right now, yo fuck ass. I'm going to eventually make that trip to Welburn. Come hella hot water, I'm going. And when I come across your big fat piece of just nasty shit, I'm going to fuck you up personally. And when I say that, I mean I'm really going <laughs> to hurt you. I'm going to inflict as much pain as humanly possible on you. I'm going to stump your head into concrete. I'm going to bash your fucking skull in. I'm going to put my fist between the back of your fucking head. Basically, in a nutshell, I'm not going to kill you, but you're going to wish you were dead when I get finished. And if anybody knows me, and this ain't karma, this ain't poetic, this ain't the living legend, this is Corey fucking Henderson. When I say shit, I mean it. And eventually, 
our craft, our paths is going to cross. You're going to remember what the fuck happened on that damn day you started doing that shit to her. And I'm going to make you relive every fucking minute of it before I beat the hell out of you. And I promise you, if I don't beat your ass, I'm going to die trying. That's my word on my mama. Yo, 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 what's good, world? As much as I would have loved to end it that way, but Ken's got some other stuff she want to speak. So I'm going to let her do that. But you already know what it is. You listen to the hottest podcast going. I'm the one and only living legend himself, Hurricane Karma. You listen to the 11th hour. Now I'm finna kick it to Ken's and she finna sign off the way she can. And that is my story. You walked a mile in my shoes now. You kind of get the gist of what we were trying to talk about. Another thing that makes me happy is my three babies. Uh, my fur babies. Not my real babies, but they're my fur babies. They're my kids. Uh, there's Toby. He's my emotional support animal. Um, there's Kilo. He's a wreck and a half, but he makes life a little bit more spicy. And then there's my Letty. And yes, she is named after my beautiful grandmother. Uh, she acts just like her, too. She <laughs> she loves, loves being in your lap. Uh, anytime I'm working around the house, she has to be in my arms. So I'm She's a puppy, so I'm carrying her with one hand, and I'm doing shit with the other hand. And Toby, just to know our bond, he follows me to the bathroom, you know, tries to get in the shower with me. Yeah. <laughs> when, we're not one without the other, you know what I mean? Um, they're my three babies, and they've helped me a lot more than they will ever, ever know. All right, yep. kids, so that's how you're going to end it right there? Yep. Well, to go back to further what she said and give you a more recap, because like I told y'all before, Ken has a hard time expressing stuff. Through this story that she told you, her testimony, on the one hand, she's doing something that a lot of women don't do, especially when they've been sexually assaulted, mentally abused, physically abused. They don't speak about it. So it, you got to understand the growth that she's carrying through and the perseverance she's had, because for her to actually speak, not just to me, or not just to people she's comfortable with, but to also put it on a platform that's going to have a lot of views, a lot of listens to, that takes a lot. And if you would have asked her, and before I go any further than that, when she said she would have said this four months ago, when she um, when she said, I'm the baddest bitch and blah, 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 she was not lying because I've known her for going on three months now. And if you would have asked her three months ago, would she ever be in this situation that she is now, the way she feels about herself, the strength she knows she possesses? I can honestly tell you from a first-hand experience, she would have laughed in your face and told you, fuck you. <laughs> she really would have. That's why she just giggled right there. <laughs> but no, like to understand the journey that she's came through and to be able to express what she's been through on a global platform like she has, that takes a lot of courage that takes a lot of strength. And a lot of women are afraid to do that. And a lot of people, like, they run. But they try to hide behind their problems thinking that they can just deal with it themselves. You have to understand the personal growth that this young lady has been through because it takes a lot for people to admit. And she was very vulnerable at times, and you can hear it in her voice. The first segment, you can tell when she was about to crack. You can tell when the stuff was really hitting her all the way up to the last one. She got more comfortable. She got... She sped through a couple things. When she gets, a lot of yeah, <laughs> when she gets nervous, she speaks. She speaks faster, but it's coming in time, in due time. But like I said, the personal growth this young lady has went through 
like you got a small glimpse of her life and like I said, for somebody to be able to do that on a podcast, let alone just with people she feels comfortable with, that takes an enormous amount of strength. And she has it. And I told her this from day one when I met her. You never realize how strong you really are. And Nobody, really. Yeah. And she still has a lot more strength in her that she doesn't know about. And they come out when it needs to. But the strength that she showed today is damn near admirable. And I know for the women listeners who I have, you're going to take this story and you're going to put, apply it to your own life. And yes, there are people out there who are willing to listen. Yeah, you're going to go through some bullshit with a lot of people. And yeah, you're going to have your moments where you have doubts. But if you learn anything from this testimony and learn from Ken's, there are people out there who are willing to listen. Just You got to open yourself up to certain people. And the ones, what I'm talking about when I say open up, the ones who stick by you through thick and thin, no matter what. She quoted me last night on the podcast, and it was the difference between ride or die and down for the ride. I have never been quoted so fucking accurately in my life that it fucking scared me a little bit. Because <laughs> she destroyed down for the ride. And for those who don't know, I got asked that on TikTok. That's initially where it started at. Oh, yes, yeah, you can follow all of us on TikTok. Country Bo, don't you got one? He don't post anything. Okay, well, he's on Facebook. Hey, you, can, you can follow me on TikTok. It's Kenley, Kenley Alexis. Yeah, I Kenley think. Alexis. Oh, good Lord. Get your, get your names right hold first. On, hold on. Well, while she's doing that, and mine is Karma203. So, yeah, you definitely can follow me on TikTok, Facebook, Corey Bledsoe, Instagram, uh, shit. I'm going to have to get back with you on Instagram. Twitter is Karma something. Look, I'll I do all look, that later look, look. on. Go ahead, Kins. <coughs> My TikTok is Kinley Alexis. Kinley is K-I-N-L-E-E, not K-E-N-L-E-Y. Don't ever mispronounce her <laughs> name or misspell it when you're talking to her. <laughs> it's Kinley Alexis underscore. And then my Instagram is Kinley Johnston. Mm-hmm. So forth, so on. There you go. So, yeah, don't don't turn into one of them fucking stalking people. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Because then you're going to have to deal with some people, and then that's just not going to end well. But anyway, um, like I was getting at, though, uh, she quoted me from the TikTok one because somebody asked me, what's the difference between a ride or die or somebody's down for the ride? Actually, no, I lied. They asked me, do I believe in a ride or die? And I told them, no, absolutely not. Ride or die is somebody who's there for you when you're riding real high. And the die part is when you're about to be fighting, they're the first ones to try to amp you up. Somebody who's down for the ride is they're good. They're there with you for when you're having your moments of weakness, when you don't feel so confident about yourself or you feel like you're the ugliest person on the fucking planet. And they try to reassure you that you're not. Hey, but at least I know I'm the cutest motherfucker out here now. True story. But, you know, they're there for everything. Like, they want, they're genuinely concerned about your well-being. That's the difference between ride or die and somebody who's down for the ride. But she quoted that last night, and that actually meant a lot to me because very few people look at, the way, look at life the way I do, and hearing her quote that actually meant, meant pretty damn well to me. So that was pretty cool to hear. But anyway, what I was getting at is it took a lot of strength for her to do what she just did, and for anyone who's out there who's struggling in a relationship, whether it's abusive, mental, physical, however you want to look at it, emotional, yeah, that is a thing too. And you just need 
some little hope, some little guidance. Like, listen to this podcast. Listen to her testimony. And for somebody who's 18 to live the life she's lived, that's very inspiring. So if you take anything from this, take this and hold your head high. You can overcome anything. Your strengths are unimaginable. Never say you can't do something. There she go quote me again. <laughs> Tell them why you did that. Tell them why you say that now. Because I always said, I can't do this. I can't do that. And what I tell you the first time you told me that? You don't remember? No. Don't ever fucking say that shit in front of me again. Yeah. And you was like, what? I said, don't ever fucking say you can't do something in front of me again. It's either you won't or you will. Right. And he was like, no, I fucking can't. I said, I will punch you. Mind you, I have never hit her. It's just, that's motivational tactics. Have I hit him, maybe, playfully? Sometimes but not that's playfully. Just me. Getting smacked while somebody knocked the fuck out is not playfully at all. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, like, if you learn anything from the story, man, learn something from her, it's pretty much you can overcome anything. You've been battle-tested. God don't put nothing on you that he know you can't handle. Never lose faith in God. Never lose faith in yourself. And by all means... Stay out of your own way. And one thing I want to add is don't hold on to situationships because you feel like you have to. With my dad, I wanted the furthest away that I could go. But when I ran away, I kind of kept our situationship. I don't even want to call it a father-daughter relationship. I tried keeping our relation or situationship, and then I when I had my growth, I realized I don't need him. He's gonna drag me backwards. Why would I want something that's gonna hold me back? There you go. No matter who they are, what they've done, baby, if they're gonna hold you back, let them go. There you go. And that's for anybody, like family members, as she just said with her dad, friends. People who they're claiming they're going to be there for a while. Let that shit go. Like, explain to them what's going on. Like, yo, this is affecting me. This is going to cause a problem. If they're your friend, if they they truly care about you, they'll try to fix it. If they don't, you know where you stand, right? So I can tell you, you can't be be the one trying to fix everything. Mm -hmm. Like, in any situation, it always takes two people to fix it, no matter what it is. One person can't fix two people's problems. So, message of the day <laughs> was that. <laughs> but in all seriousness, man, thank you for coming on here, sharing your testimony. Another um, thing I want to add. I'm sorry. Okay. I keep adding stuff in. That's fine. Go ahead. Be the person your younger self needed. Elaborate on that. When I was younger, I needed somebody to care. I needed somebody to be there for me, to comfort me, to show me what the world was really about. You know, you can take that as far as you can throw it. You know what I mean? Be the person that you needed when you were down. Become that person that you needed because so many other people need that person too. Make somebody smile. You you know, and yep, you said that too. Straight stole from the last night, y'all. Make somebody smile because you don't know what a person is going through. You know, before, I wouldn't have told anybody shit about me. I would just put on my front and let them roll with that. Mm-hmm. You never know what somebody's going through. Just make them smile. Take, Do something. Yeah. You Take know. the time and listen. 
Like, I do little things for my friends. Like, yesterday, I came and I helped Corey clean up his apartment. Yesterday, I helped Bo with his apartment. You know, things that I didn't have to do, but I wanted to do because it was going to make them smile. Just do little things because little things go such a long way. There you go. Be the reason. That's pretty much what it, that's the best way to end it. Be a reason for somebody. Not a mistake. Easiest thing to learn, hardest thing to accept. So with that being said, again, I want to thank you for coming on here, sharing your testimony. I know how hard that was for you to do. I'm glad you chose the 11th hour to do it on. So that's cool points for that. Number two, I'm very proud of you for doing it. Because the... <laughs> The young, destructive person I met three months ago would have never did this. Mm-mm. So, I told you then. I'm gonna tell you. I told you in the middle of it. And I'm gonna tell you again now. I'm proud I was a part of the journey. Thank you for sticking with me. You can't get rid of my ass, even though you tried. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the eleventh hour is pretty much that, man. Like we try to instill good in everybody. And hopefully y'all enjoyed this. Go ahead and leave a like, comment, share, whatever y'all going to do. It'll be published. Uh, actually, <clears throat> this one will be published today. I'm going to make sure that this will be getting going live at 11 o'clock tonight. So when you wake up in the morning, you ain't got nothing to do. You just need that little motivation to get your ass up. Turn on the 11th hour. I guarantee you, you'll be motivated one way or the other. Either you ready to kick somebody ass or you ready to go kick the world ass. It's one way or the other. You go do something. Wake up wanting to to destroy the world. Not in a bad way, though. (laughs) I'm talking about... We ain't talking about no Adolf Hitler's around here. (laughs) Goddamn, she finna have a damn war started. Wake up, say it. If the world wanted you to have a bad day to that day, wake up and have the best day of your life. Conquer the shit that puts you down. Carpet Diem. Seize the day. Because yep. I know y'all are looking at me like, what the <laughs> fuck like, did you just say? Carpe diem means seize the day. So take the day, own it. And if you have a bad day, what's your favorite quote? I'm going to let you actually say it this time. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not, this isn't exactly what she said. So keep in mind, because I have a memory of a goldfish. But you can stay, you know, you're going through shit in life, you can stay down for a minute. But don't stay there. Pick yourself back up. You know what I mean? Make life worth it. (laughs) There it is. Live every day like it's your last. Enjoy every day like it's your first. Basically, find something in this life worthwhile. Even if it's yourself. Even if it's yourself. Could be your animals. My animals are my babies. Let me tell you that. I could go on a whole 24-hour rant about my babies. It could be something as small as I just want to go out of my go out of my way one day to make somebody smile today. That's the thing you motivate yourself to do. And Find when you the give hugs, give hugs just a little bit tighter. Hold on just a little bit longer. So yeah, man, y'all keep listening to the hottest podcast going. You already know what it is. It's your boy Karma, the living legend himself, trademark. Oh, <laughs> uh, you listening to the eleventh hour. Kansas gave you her testimony. Kansas, you got anything else you want to say before you sign off? Remember, we are all bad bitches. Women are. <laughs> Dudes can't say we bad bitches. That ain't how that work. Country Bowl, I know you came in and uh, half of it. 
Well, he's about to head out the door, so we're going to have to, Oh, don't worry, because his testimony coming soon, too. Probably being the next, if not the next one, it'll be a third episode I do. So be on the lookout for him. I'm going to try to get to the point where I'm dropping at least two a week. Uh, that's going to be kind of hard with people's schedule, but if anybody can do it, I can. So y'all keep listening to the hottest podcast going. You already know what it is. It's your boy, Hurricane Carmen. You listen to the 11th Hour, brought to you only by Anchor FM. Shout out to Podcast Addict, Google Podcast. I know I'm forgetting a couple of Spotify. Y'all were the first ones to put me on. So appreciate the love, man. Uh, Apple Podcasts, I'm coming for you. I got you before. I'll get you again. And with that being said, I want to give a big shout out to Arcadian Vanguard Network. Uh, you almost signed me last time, but I got locked out. I'm coming to get that check, bro. I promise you. Big ups to Brian Last, Jim Cornette. We're going to holler at y'all later. Peace.